Hi, I'm Rick Tittle, and this is the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8Side Network. Join me as I get busy with the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. One of the great cub clubs and cubs in America is Helium Philly, and you need to get down there tomorrow night. Get your tickets at heliumcomedy.com because two shows at 7 and 9.30 and also on Saturday, 7 and 9.30, it'll be the great George Wallace along with J. Anthony Brown and Myra J. as well. George, welcome to the show. And I was trying to think, when it comes to the Kangol, I know LL Cool J had the bucket hat, and I know Slick Rick had it, but were you before those guys? Who was the first to rock the Kangol? I think it was the Samuel Jackson. Really? Samuel, I don't know, but I, I wore it, uh, I don't know when I started wearing it, to be honest. Uh, but I love it. And now I took the Kangol away, and now it's my own hat. It says, I be thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be thinking. I almost thought, like, it was all, with all your tweets, you always end with whatnot. I almost thought, and like, whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my, my Las Vegas show was called I'd Be Thinking Show. I would, I would be thinking, like, uh, I go into a grocery store and I send an item that said evaporated milk. Well, I'd be thinking, what the hell is in the can? You know? Well, things <laughs> like that. I'd be thinking, like, I mean, when dogs bark at night, they have to get that last bark at. <laughs> you know, it's just I I talk to a lot of comedians and guys from the '80s like Dana Gould and and Jake Johansson, and they're still going strong. But you go back to the '70s. I mean, how, what what is the staying power from being legit from the '70s until today? Well, I tell you what, it's new jokes, and I tell you what, I love to do jokes. I love what I do, just like you do. All I do is lie. I just love to lie and make up stuff, you know. And they pay me for it, and I can just—I just love to lie. And <laughs> just so cool, you know. And those guys you mentioned back in the '80s, those are great San Francisco comics, you know. Now I gotta—you know—my brother played football up there for quite a while. You know? I, I interviewed Steve Wallace back in the day. He's a very good player. And you know, my nephew is a Moneytum who's from across the bridge. There, Moneytum played for the New York Giants. He went to Dallas Cell. Hmm. So, yeah. you know, I have seven Super Bowl rings in my family. You didn't know that, though, did you? Seven? Wow. Bobby Hamilton, New England Patriots, yeah. Wow. My mother played football. Wow. <laughs> now, you're being a, uh, uh, you're an, uh, well, you were uh, you were ATL, but then you went to college in Ohio, right? That's a University of Akron, Akron, Ohio. We're known as the Akron Zips. The Zips. I remember when Jerry you know Faust, Jerry Faust left Notre Dame to go to the Zips. You remember that? Exactly, and I think Bob Hutland too with the uh, the basketball or something like that. But we just found out what a zip means uh, about ten years ago. What That's is it? Ohio State, Ohio State thirty eight, Akron zip. <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy I used to cover the Oakland A's, their pre and post game host, and there was a guy named uh, Chris Bassett who's now at the Mets, and uh, he was a zip. In fact, he went there to play a hoop, ended up pretty good baseball player. Really? And he's yeah. now with the Mets? Yeah, Chris Bassett, Hound. I'll have to find out who he is because we have a a, a booth at the, at, with the Mets at City Field. So I'll have to check him out. Yeah, so, so uh, tell me about uh, your opener and your feature, J. Anthony Brown and Myra J. with you. 
We're all known from the Tom Jordan Morning Show. Yes, the 25 years that the Tom Jordan Morning Show syndicated in 110 markets across America. And Myra Jay is going to be with me. Jay is going to be out sick this week. He couldn't make it. And, uh, and so we, uh, he's, uh, he's had some little problems. So we're going to miss him. But we're going to be at Helium's, Helium's in uh, uh, Philadelphia. And I'm already in the city having fun. City of brotherly love and, and Independence Day and we're just going to have some fun, and it's crazy being here. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun if you want to get your laugh on, especially younger people. The younger people are coming out now and bringing their parents because most young people don't laugh at their parents and don't have a chance to go out with them. So that's a new thing, and we're having lots of fun with that. You know, it's. I remember, and by the way, what better city to be in the 4th of July than Philadelphia, huh? Yeah, I was thinking about something. I had fireworks in front of my house in, in Central Park in New York. I don't remember seeing any blue in the fireworks. Is, is that <laughs> mostly red? <laughs> it's mostly. <laughs> hey, Rick! All you, Rick! All you do is focus your life. You go, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh. Is this the big one? Ah, ooh. <laughs> Man, it sounds like my prom. <laughs> you just went ooh, and I. <laughs> So, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, I'm a comedy nerd and I, I love going to, to New York and, you know, those three clubs down in the village, the Cellar, the Fat Black and the, and the VU. But I also like going to Gotham. I like going to the Strip. And I think about the stories of Seinfeld driving in to do the Strip or Caroline's, you know, late night. And, and you were all part of that. In fact, did, did when, when Jerry finally moved to the city, didn't you guys live together? You know I'm the real George, right? You're the George Costanza. I'm not. I'm the George. Costanza was another friend, mm. but I'm the one that was his roommate for thirteen years. 13 I'm the one years. that was his best man, his best man in his wedding, and I'm the father of his kids. <laughs> and we started the same night. Actually, started at Catch a Rising Star, and then we moved over to the comic strip. And uh, we've been best friends for forty-seven years. Can you believe that? Wow. Were you so? Were really? you there before Lucian? Was the Booker? I was there the day it opened. Wow! Catch your eyes. I'm, I'm in the, the comic strip. Yeah, Lucian was there, and uh, they were building when I walked in. You know, I was vice president of uh, the world's largest outdoor advertising agency back in the day, called Metro Media, hmm. and we sold uh, transit advertising in the top ten markets in America: San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Detroit, and Cleveland. And and I went in to uh, put uh, the comic strip on the back of the buses, on the side of the buses. And then as I signed the contract, I said, you know, I do a little comedy myself. They said, come on in tomorrow and audition. I went on on Thursday night, and I've been on stage ever since then. And you went originally like a, you tried to, you were like a priest or a preacher, right? I, because that's all I knew. I came from Georgia, right? And I would just make fun of the preachers and what would happen in church. So then I said, okay, I'll become a preacher. I had a preacher's robe on, and I had the thick yellow pages as my Bible. I called it the Good Book of Bell. The Good Book of Bell. Whatever you want, look it up in the book. I was crazy. And I would walk in singing, oh, when the saints go marching in. That was my opening. I should redo that. Bring it back, baby. Bring it back, yeah. Because, you know, I, I was telling Jerry the other day, I've been doing comedy for 47 years. Some of my old jokes bring it back because it's new to the people. They never heard it. Well, all the time I talk to comedians, I'll bring up like my favorite joke, and they're like, "I said that," and like, "Yeah," and like, "I already forgot that one." 
people remind me of joke every day, and I don't even know the punchline. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but it's good to have that data in your uh, have that uh, those jokes in your in your computer, so you can just put it up anytime you need it, and that's that's really good. No but doubt. New jokes is the key. New jokes is the key to staying around. Like you got the political. I talk about anybody and everybody. I don't do a PC show. So if you come to my show, I'm going to talk about you like a dog. Don't leave your little problems at the door, okay? But I will never embarrass anybody. You will always laugh with me. That's cool. It's like Jay Leno says, write a joke, tell a joke, get paid. Right? Jay Leno strictly believes in writing new jokes. Still yeah. does. Hey, before we let you go, I got to ask, too, when you ran for mayor of Vegas, was that just a publicity stunt, or you were like, no, 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 I'm, I'm legit, and I got some good ideas here? I just love to lie. I'll just make up. I'm running for president right now. <laughs> Number one, for, <laughs> when I'm president, first of all, Chick-fil-A is going to be open on Sunday. I don't give a damn <laughs> what they say is going to be open on Sunday, okay? Right, number two, Steve Harvey ain't hosting nothing else no more, okay? That's number two. So we just so, – so, yeah, it was a lie, but it caught on, and just people started calling me mayor because I had great ideas, you know? And, uh, and, and people said – the problem was if I ran, people would have voted for me. Mm. You might get stuck with that the real the job. <laughs> Well, see, that's the trouble. See, now I lie just one hour a night. I can be working all day talking to people and strangers about the water bill and the sewer line. Mm. And I'll be, t- I'll be cussing people out. I'd make a good mayor, though. They would love me. Well, plus you might have to deal with some guys with crooked noses, too, in Vegas. Ooh, we. I hope. You know what? <laughs> I own my show for years, and I always thought about that. What if these guys come in and say hello? Because I own the show, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh. Uh, I was making too much money, but I'm gone now. It's over. <laughs> and I was known as Mr. Vegas. I went in for 30 days, uh, 60 days, 90 days, turned into 15 years. Wow. Well, everybody gets a chance there. to see the great George Wallace tomorrow night. Two shows at Helium in Philly. Go to heliumcomedy.com. Saturday night, two shows as well with J. Anthony Brown and Myra J. George, uh, always been a big fan. Thanks for coming on, man. Let's do it again soon. I gotta call you back and tell you about my new show with Norman Lear called Clean Slate. Next time we talk about that, George Wallace, Laverne Cox, and Norman Lear. Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. The great. You got a deal. It's almost like Sanford and Son, but it's Sanford and Daughter. There's a catch. We'll talk about it. <laughs> there it is. All right. You're listening to the Rick Tittle podcast on the Eight Side Network. Stay tuned for more. Check me out, and uh, also, if you're in town, make sure to get down to Cobb's Comedy Club, which is uh, here in North Beach on uh, Columbus Street, because this weekend headlining will be stand-up comedian Ben Bailey. Ben, welcome back to the show. I say welcome back. You were here in studio with me eight years ago. Was it something I said? (laughs) Was it something you said? No. (laughs) It was uh, the pandemic, pretty much. Man, I can't believe it's been eight years, though. It's a long time. <laughs> that, was, that was a long, long pen. I didn't know about the first six years. Um, just playing, <laughs> with, playing with you. Um, the three Emmys you got from Cash Cab, are those on a mantle? Are they in a safety deposit box? Or do you, like, flavor flavor them and wear them as a necklace? <laughs> I, have them. I actually have a studio in my basement that I built, and I keep them in there. They're behind the door. So you have to, like get pretty far into the house in order to see them. So you're already in with you by the time you're not like showing them off and bragging. Like when you were doing a zoom meeting, are they in the background? 
<laughs> I kind of keep them hidden more than uh, showing them off. Now, I think what a lot of people might not know about you, they think, oh, he's a comedian, he's a host, and for the show he drove a cab, but you you really are or were a licensed taxi driver in New York City. Uh, I was, but only to do the show. I was never a cab okay. driver before. So, I had to get my hack license. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, is it's quite a thing for a comedian to have to do. Uh, that's true. When I was um, in New York in December, and I was, you know, like by Wall Street, it was way lower Manhattan, and I was going to get a mm. Uber to JFK, and the cheapest one was eighty. And then when the guy dropped me off, it said ninety-eight dollars. And that was the whole thing about how cabs were supposed to be more expensive. Now it seems like the Ubers are more expensive. Does this uh, resonate with you in any way? Uh, Uber is crazy expensive, but it's like uh, it's so convenient that I just do it anyway. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, this is outrageous, but I'll I'll pay it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it used to be flat fare to the airports in a cab. It was like forty five bucks. Mm. I don't think that's true anymore. Uh, so they're both more expensive than they used to be. Unless or you, you were... take the train, it'll take you like two and a half hours. Oh, it, it would take you all day and nine <laughs> transfers. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's ridiculous. Well, the old days, you would cab drivers would pick up foreign nationals at JFK, of which there are plentiful, and then charge them six hundred dollars, right? <laughs> yes, drive them all <laughs> over the city, <laughs> all the way zigzag through Brooklyn and Queens, and then yeah, run the meter up to as much as they could. So did that you might still be happening? <laughs> Do you uh, <laughs> did you ever have a situation? Uh, when you were doing the the show with all the lights and all the fun, because everybody always seems so affable, and they always seem like you know college students, whatever. But did you ever have anybody get a little bit uh, aggressive? Oh yeah, definitely. I had plenty of people. Usually, people would get angry when they lost, and they wouldn't want to get out. Mm. Like one time, he like he moved to the middle of the way back seat, and he put on all the seat belts, <laughs> and he was like. I'm not getting out. <laughs> and for a second, I wasn't sure what to do. And then I was like, oh, I know what to do. So I just pulled over and I got out. I left him by himself. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad. And then the security guys came and pulled him out. But yeah, he was he was determined. He wasn't going to leave till he got his money, even though he lost. <laughs> well, that was the thing. Like Usually that was the situation. Yeah, you would you would risk all of it if you were going to like keep going in certain situations, right? Right. Yeah, you could go to the the video bonus question there, and risk it all, <laughs> which usually you know wasn't very much. It was like two hundred dollars or something. <laughs> when I look back at um, some of the early panel shows, that Colin Quinn tough crowd show was really ahead of its time, and it's hard to believe it was twenty years ago. But you, he got you on that, didn't he? Yeah, I did it a bunch of times, yeah. That was so fun. I really had a great time doing that every time. You're right, it was ahead of its time. I didn't really think about it, but it was. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's the thing. I I just, in the previous hour, I interviewed George Wallace, speaking of New York comedians, and the staying power that you guys have, and I mentioned Colin, I mean, it's just, uh, and you don't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you don't have to reinvent yourself. As George Wallace says, just write new jokes. Yeah. You know, you got to do new jokes. And honestly, if you're going to be on the road all the time, you don't even have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep doing the same ones, going to a different place. But you get, you know, you're writing the new jokes is as much for you as anybody else. 
Sean Wayans told me one time, I don't know if he was joking, but he said, I've never done a special or a DVD because then I'd have to write new jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I have to write new jokes to keep it interesting for me, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. That's as much of the fun for me as the performing almost, is coming up with the new stuff. So I, I like that part. I always love how you could do, like, for, like uh, tomorrow, your first show at 7.30 at Cobb's, you could do, you could kill... You do the exact same show for the other crowd, and they're like, eh. And you're like, but these yeah. jo- these jokes work. Does it get frustrating sometimes how nebulous it can be? It does, yeah. Uh, but usually you can kind of u- use that to your advantage, too, and, and uh, just sort of flip it and kind of... I mean, you could even point out that like, these, these jokes killed on the early show yesterday. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You know, you kind of learn ways to... To bob and weave and, and find your way out of that, but uh, that's weird. Yeah, if, if things are not going the way you were hoping they were going to go, it's probably something different that you were doing rather than the crowd being different. But you don't the same level of enthusiasm, or it's once in a while you get a crowd that's just in a weird mood, and you kind of have to do a roll with it. But usually, it's you, in my experience. <laughs> Do you ever like not panic, but say, "Uh oh, I'm dying here," and you like move your closer up to the front, and then that doesn't work, and you go, "Now what do I do?" <laughs> yeah, you know that is a familiar scenario, but it's been a while since I've had that experience. But yeah, I can remember, especially earlier on, you kind of like. Well, I've, I've done half my jokes. I've been up here for 10 minutes. and I, <laughs> What the hell am I going to do for the next 40? Uh, but, yeah, that doesn't happen so much when you later on in the game. You kind of learn to roll with stuff and, and find your way through and keep you cool. Now, think about You don't have to be yeah. getting a huge laugh at every moment. You can, right. You can be quiet for a minute. You can take a second and think about what you want to say. Hopefully, you know, they're with you enough that that's not going to affect how the show comes out, you know. Well, I know, I think it was uh, Mark Norman, Sam Murill, they both said if, if they don't get a laugh every eight seconds, they panic. They can't, they can't take a moment to think because <laughs> they panic. Oh, wow. Well, you know, those guys are kids. What do they know? <laughs> like 38, 39, what the hell do they know? <laughs> All right, so they're like hugely successful <laughs> doing theaters. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I know you were up in uh, SAC at the um, what's it called, the one downtown, the theater, the, uh, the Crest, the Crest. Crest. Yeah, I, in fact, I saw Sam there a couple months ago, and one right. of the more raucous crowds. I think I had three beers, and I was the most sober guy in that crowd, the Sacramento <laughs> crowd. <laughs> wow, wow, that's crazy. I, yeah, we just uh, did that last night. It was great. Uh, people were not terribly drunk. No, it was a good crowd. It's good fun. Well, that's good. Well, you got uh, that. And headed to Tahoe, headed to Tahoe tonight, and then Cobb's tomorrow on Saturday. Wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. Cobb'sComedy dot com. Get your tickets for Ben Bailey, stand up comedian, uh, actor, and of course, as we talked about Cash Cab as well. But get to see his comedy fresh as today's headlines. Ben, thanks for coming on again, man. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'll see you in, or I'll talk to you in another eight years. Eight years, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk it won't to you be that then. Long, man. <laughs> All right. All right. Man. 
You're listening to the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8 Side Network. Stay tuned for more. Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show the multi-talented Alicia Cooper. And uh, as they say, she was born with a microphone in her hand. Alicia Cooper for president coming out <laughs> June 23rd. Um, first of all, Alicia, welcome to the show. Rick Tittle with you. Um, are you really running for president or not? Yeah, well, as a write-in candidate, because I can't afford the $700 million it'll take to effectively run my campaign. <laughs> so I'm just telling people to write my name in. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, you know, it's funny, I have written in, there, there have been several times, I mean, I do vote, I think it's important to, but sometimes I don't like the two candidates, and I will write somebody in. So I think I'm going to have to keep you in mind. Thank you, Rick. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to reverse those airline bag fees. <laughs> Can you make the driving age 18? Because I don't—I was the only 16-year-old I knew who didn't drive 100 miles per hour. <laughs> I certainly can. I certainly can. And yeah, I, there's a lot of things I have on the list, and I will add that. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where where, where did you grow up, Alicia? I grew up in Temple Hills, Maryland, right outside of five minutes from Washington, D.C. So both my parents were born in D.C., and that's where they grew up. And I grew up in the uh, suburbs of Maryland, but right beside, not too far from D.C. And I loved, loved, loved it. So, And, you know, we're political just because we live so close. My parents grew up close to the White House. So, um, you know, when you live in the D.C. area, politics is just a, a second nature. It's part of you. But um, I loved growing up in that area. And then, um, yeah, so that's, that's another reason I'm running for president, because I feel like I'm qualified. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle talking about, like, you know, he's D.C., but he goes, I admit it, he goes, I was from a white neighborhood, but I act like I'm from the PJs. <laughs> I love Dave Chappelle. Your one friend who knows him very well, she was like, she's like, she's like, you're the female Chappelle. That's what she called me. I was laughing so hard. But yeah, we love Dave. We love so many of the great comics that came out of the D.C. area. Wanda Sykes came out of the D.C. area. Martin Lawrence. You know, there's so many great comics that came out of the D.C. area. And Dave is definitely, you know, the most most notable Speaking of Maryland, you were a Terp as well. How was uh, life at College Park? It was so good. I still have friends from, you know, from going to Maryland. I was just still keep my same friends, and uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I was a radio, television, film major, and I also did some theater while there. Really? What kind of, like, classically trained Shakespearean actress? No, musical theater. Oh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I played Eveline and the Wiz, and we had so much fun, so much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was a great time. It was just a great time, and 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 like I said, the four years flew by. Ease on down, ease on down the road. Yeah, yeah. Ease on down, ease on down. Yep, it was so much fun. I could see you. Yeah, now I think about. It, I could see you being like in Sister Act. You'd pull that off. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could pull that off easily. <laughs> How's the no, uh, merch move in the Ivanka the come get stuff. your daddy shirts? 
I don't even have any more of those left. I sold all of those. All of those. I sold the um, uh, oranges, the new black, where I had a Donald Trump uh, with the orange little hairdo up in the top. I sold all of those. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't even have any more of those left. <laughs> so, when I talked about multi-talented stand-up comedian, which is like, you know, it's like landing a, a jet on a moving aircraft carrier. It is very, very hard to do, but you produce, you write, and you act. Did, did all those disciplines come easy to you, or did you really have to work hard at it? Well, while my mother was finishing her degree at Howard University, she put me in the children's theater there. So I was five years old, um, and that's where I first started in children's theater. So I thought I wanted to be an actress at that time, you know, and then uh, D from What's Happening was on TV. And I was like, that's what I want to do, you know. So then as I got older, my interest changed, and I wanted to go behind the scenes and produce television. So that's what I actually ended up doing. And then HBO's Deaf Comedy Jam hit, and I fell in love with the acts that was on that particular uh, network, and I didn't realize that they had been honing their craft for years before we saw it. I thought they were just improvising. And I was like, I can do that. And I realized comedy, stand-up is a true art form. You are going to work at this. So I would jump on stage and I would crash and burn because I didn't have anything prepared. And I was like, oh, I was told my whole life I'm so funny. Guess I'm not. And so after crashing and burning three times in three different clubs, I um, quit. You know, I can't even say I really started. And then years later, I was working on a talk show, and one of the producers made me get back into it. And then that was the year 2000, and I took it seriously and started writing and performing at night. So I would work all day, and then I would perform at night, and I did that for eight years. And then I quit my day job and said, well, let me see, let me try this full time. And that's, that's how, my, how my career began. Yeah, no, it's a hard road, and you paid your dues. And uh, Alicia Cooper for president coming out on the twenty third. And before we let you go, the autobiography never heard of you either. Is that is that printed? Is that getting ready to print? Well, what I'm doing is I'm still finishing it. I'm writing the first draft, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Is I'm finishing my first draft of I've never heard of you either. All right, there she is, Alicia Cooper. If you're ever in uh, San Francisco, come on by the studio. We'd love to have you. Oh, I would love to be there. Thank you so much, Rick. This has been the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8Side Network.